What's up, Michigan? It is time for our number three on a Friday broadcast with Eric Zane for the Eric Zane Show podcast in studio, filling in for Superfly Hayes. And Randy Cleves uh, hooked us up with a hockey legend in West Michigan. All-time favorite names from Griffins fans. You've been doing Griffins play-by-play for 18 years, which how you've held on to that job with who you are and how you do it is amazing in itself. Uh, but Lash, as he's known, right? Yep. There's been Blash through Grand Rapids. There's been Lash. Yes, Blash and Lash. It sounds like a morning show. Imagine that. Free Blash and Lash. Uh-huh. Uh, and Brian Lashoff, you, you, he grew up in Albany and listened to you on the bus. That's what he told me. Wow. <laughs> Lo- loved West Michigan so much, had opportunities to leave but really adored the state, the people here, and I wanted to call it home. And now he has moved up from player to assistant coach uh, with the Wings organization for the Grand Rapids Griffins. So how would you describe Brian Lashoff on the ice and off the ice, Zane? Um, well, leadership that is what always stood out to me. Um, I always liked watching Brian when, uh, when there was something to be discussed with the officials. Because it always seemed like he was making sense because if the refs always would have that look on their face like when someone's making sense to you and you go, oh, well, okay. I, I, I would see that when he would be talking to these people. It's like, oh, my gosh, he's actually getting through to the ref except pleading his case about this, that, and the other thing for whoever's in the penalty box speaking on behalf of. He's just trying to get the makeup call coming up. You never know. I, you know, God only knows because even though he's so close to me when I'm at ice level, I, I can only read lips. I can't really tell what they're what they're saying. I don't I mean, know. When you're reading uh, Lash's lips, uh, was it every other word was profanity? Every third I never swears. This guy is a straight shooter. I don't think I've ever seen him mad. I've rarely ever saw Brian angry. On the ice. On the ice. Off or the whatever. Ice. Very rarely in the penalty box. And if he was in there, he usually knew it. And even if it was a bad call, I, I never really got the impression that he was uh, emotionally like ready to explode. Unbalanced like we are. Correct. Correct. So if you want to be, when you retire from hockey, if you want to have a great send-off from the fans and organization, end up moving from the ice to the bench, you don't swear and you treat people nice. Eric, I think Which, it's a, I it's like a living lesson. That's, that's it's horrible. A living, that's a horrible that's a, way to live. Flash is a living lesson for the two of us. <laughs> Hey, Brian, how are you? Good, guys. I would. Uh, I don't know about the swearing thing. I think if you ask the guys or ask my, probably my wife, I think she'd have a different thing to say. I, I, can't, I can't really pick it up when you guys are on the other side of the glass. It does a remarkable job of covering up the sound. So I don't, I don't hear it. But. Who, so take us on the ice in your 14-year career. Who was the craziest person? person you ever came across could have been official could have been opposing player opposing coach could have been a PA announcer like Zane with the Griffins who was just somebody that you think about all the time like you're that person was nuts uh I mean over that many years there's a lot of guys that that might have that that type of personality the one guy that comes to mind the most he played here for one year Zane you probably remember is Joel Recklich oh yeah 
Uh, he he was just a guy that had the with the wires crossed. <laughs> he almost needed the entire bench to kind of hold him back. You know, from, the name almost sounds like he would be that type of person. The wrecker. I was his yeah, the wrecker. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. He was uh, almost slap shot, yeah, sweetheart off the ice, like really nice guy, like great team guy, great guy in the room, kind of a glue guy, like. Um, but he was a guy that would do anything for any one of his teammates, and if his wires crossed, it was uh, it could get dicey. Why, why did you decide to call it quits and go from a player to a coach? Um, well, I, I thought about it over the last probably year or two. I mean, I, I came in to probably the second to last year with a lot of injuries that I picked up over the last probably four or five years that kind of started to creep up on me pretty pretty badly, and I was playing with them every single night. Um, and that was the hardest thing to kind of deal with was not being able to play. I think last year towards the end, play the, the same way I was able to play in kind of my prime and um, what a lot of people kind of knew me as. And um, so I had to make a decision. Was What was I going to serve the organization best, the guys best? I think they deserved more out of me um, than I was able to give on the ice just because my body was going in that direction. And, um, you know, coaching was something that I always thought of and, and – uh, and that opportunity arose. Um, this was fantastic, but on Brian's last game at home, it was a big deal, you know? And uh, so there's a lot of people there to see You're talking this. last game with the Griffins. Last game with the Griffins at home. You think you had one more game on the road after your final home game, maybe two. But, you know, every player, when they come out for warm-ups, they skate around a little bit, and then um, various stretches on the ice, okay, to, just to get loose. And Brian uh, has his routine just like everybody else. Every player on the ice for the Griffins did his routine. One knee up, lean a little, shake it out. Uh, left left knee up, lean a little, whatever it was. Like synchronized stretching. Synchronized stretching, and they did it just like he had it down. It was fantastic to see them. They got up and they skated. Take me through that, Brian. Did you, ex- did, did you think that was coming? Was that a surprise to you? No, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of things that were like kind of that surprised me just because I was so, I don't know, there's a lot going in your mind through a game like that. Obviously, I've never done that before, but um, going through a game like that and having uh, the guys do something like that. I mean, I, I'd heard a rumor that they might do it, but I think by the time I got the warmups, I completely forgot about it, got down into the stretch, and then the whole team was doing it. So it was pretty, it was funny. Okay, now some might think that that's silly, but I thought that that was touching because... Well, it's a sign of respect. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, yeah. it's a sign of respect yeah. because not everybody's going to get that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I've never seen that. I've watched 18 years of hockey there, and I've never seen anything like that. But... It happened to you, and that only happens because you were a great leader. The fans loved you. The players loved you. I mean, it was awesome. It was the nicest thing I've ever seen on the ice. I loved it. No, it was great. I mean, especially, uh, like, it's kind of a new thing I think people are do- or teams are doing in, in the NHL. They've done it for guys playing maybe their 1,000th game or or uh, a milestone, like a big milestone okay. later in the career, and then uh, – and the guys decided to do it for that game. That was so, so it was so cool. Uh, I mean, it was cool. And my family's on the bench too, watching it. So yeah, it's uh, it was awesome. So so I'm, one more thing. So someone has video of that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like my, my brother has video. Of it, so I want to see that again. One That's day. fantastic, man. Well, in, in the respect you just mentioned as a leader, which you know Brian Lashoff joining us in studio, former wing and Grand Rapids Griffin, now an assistant coach on the bench. Uh, with the Griffins, the Wings' top farm affiliate, Eric Zane from the Eric Zane Show, uh, the PA voice of the Griffins, also in studio. Uh, how, how do you earn respect of your team that when 
you say you're done. You probably told them first, probably family, then the team or the organization. Uh, and you see what they do for you. How does someone earn respect as a leader? Well, I think it's, I think it's showing respect to the people around you, number one, and just being consistent. I think that's the one thing I tried to do since I first came here at 18 was be as consistent as possible and give everything I could to the organization while I was playing. And as I got older and realized that this was a, a place I wanted to call home, it's it's not just the game itself. It's the people around the, the, the arena. It's the the people helping, you know, you know, make the organization run as good as it has and and, and then the city itself. So I, I kind of showed up when I was 18 and felt something about the city that there's something special about it. And then I go to my first game and, and you know, the place is sold out and see the, the type of, um, you know, the type of respect that the people have for the game here and the type of um, support there is for the team. I mean, I so trying to be as respectful to the people around the organization and respect for the game and then consistent with the way I play and the way I act. Um, as an American defenseman, there's a, there's a long list of terrific American defensemen. Did you look up, who did you look up to when you were playing? Doesn't have to be American, but there's, there's, there's a lot of great ones. Uh, be, being that you were, you were a defenseman, who did you look up to when you were uh, playing youth hockey? Uh, well, guy, the guys in the NHL around that time, I, was, I grew up in New York. So Brian Leach was a huge, I was yep, a huge fan yep, of Brian yep. Leach. He played for the Rangers um, obviously, Chelios. Chelios a guy that would, ended up being a coach for me for a little bit in Grand Rapids and, and doing a little bit of player development stuff. So I was able to learn a ton from him um, early on in my career. And having a guy that I used to watch growing up, I think, was amazing. And then I think the biggest thing that helped with me, not just players in playing in the NHL, but my brother, uh, he's four years older than me. And everything that I went through, he kind of went through right before me. Okay. So I was able to see, you know, what I was getting myself into, one, and he was able to tell me, hey, I handled this well or I didn't. And that kind of helped me go through my career early on and then kind of form my own, you know, my own personality as a man in playing pro hockey every day. That is really cool. Yeah. That's uh, fantastic. I know. And you mentioned the word grind, the grinders, you know, the grind line. We miss the, the NHL players that. Now, there's still a, a small amount that do grind every day, but I look at your entire resume and your career really is about grinding and never giving up. And you've gone between uh, Detroit, Grand Rapids, you had a stop in Toledo. You mentioned uh, the youth hockey and then playing the junior hockey and looking at your pro career. Uh, what was the difference between the NHL and the AHL and even the ECHL with Toledo in that one season? back in 2010 and 2011, beyond the money difference, beyond the private charter planes and the glitz and glamour, what was the biggest hockey difference between each level you experienced? I think each level, I think each level you go up, it, it takes less of a mistake to get scored on. So, you know, you get, you're in the American League, which is a really good league. There's a lot of good players in it. There's guys that can easily play in the NHL on any given night. They're just in the minors for whatever reason it is. And uh, you, you make a mistake and you might get scored on. But you might not at times too, depending on you know who's got the puck and what area is. But if you go to the NHL, you know one mistake, one small mistake is going in the back of your net. You give a good player up there a chance to score, it's going in the back of your net. So the margin for error, I think, as you go up is, is a lot, lot smaller. And um, that's why I think, and it's tough for young defensemen, especially nowadays, too, to, to realize like 
to don't put not put yourself in those positions. I know I did at times. You put yourself in positions where you make mistakes, and then you give up that big chance, and it's going in the back of your not the net. So I think it's it, the more you can do that, is or the less you can give up those type of chances, the better. So as a coach now with the Grand Rapids Griffins, the Wings Top Farm affiliate, what's going to be your message uh, when you're teaching those young players and helping them? Uh, try and achieve their NHL dreams or stay uh, in Detroit. Uh, what's the most important thing you've learned that you'll pass along? I think number one is consistency. Um, I think it's it's tough for young players, especially in pro, being consistent on a night night to night basis. You can have a good game on Friday, but you know, and and Saturday night, you got to make sure that you're you're given as much as you can and, and not having too many dips in your game. And and I think the other thing is, while you're in Grand Rapids, you're you're in Grand Rapids. You're here to win in Grand Rapids. It's not about anything else. Everyone wants to get called up and and uh, do you know great things for their career. And I think, but uh, you know, in their dressing room, I always thought you know the guy next to me, his success was my success, and it went down the line like that. And the more you have guys doing that throughout a season, the the more success you'll have as a team and as individuals. And uh, we saw that. We've seen been fortunate. In the last 10 years, we've seen you lead the team uh, to two Calder Cup championships. Um, very different because 2013, you took on a juggernaut in the Syracuse Crunch. And, I mean, there was a period of time when they didn't lose the Syracuse Crunch. And then you guys took care of business and ended up winning that. Can you take me through both of those scenarios like uh the, the 2013 championship and then you followed it up a few years later by, by winning another one yeah i mean 2013 was that was my first long it was my first long playoff round i think we had a couple ones where we made the first or second round but once you get into that third round you get to the final four you start you know you start tasting a little bit okay you're kind of close and then you start seeing these teams that you haven't played that much because they're in another division so you start playing them and then you start seeing how you stack up against them and then it, it, we started to win against those teams and then you get kind of momentum not just on the ice but like in the room where the guys right. see the, the vibe is is good because you know you have a chance against the the best teams in the other divisions too so um and i remember we played that what was it Oklahoma City, we played in the third round. There's a hurricane. Yeah, I remember one. that. Because I remember the arena tornado, flooded. Right? The yeah. arena flooded in, yeah. in OKC. There's water pouring down the steps of the arena. It was it was horrible. Yeah. It was actually quite frightening. Yeah, and they had to cancel the game. So we went through that whole scenario and that and that series. And then I think that we went up 3-0 in that yeah. against uh, Syracuse that year. They ended up coming back, making a 3-2. Giving you a little bit of pause, okay? Yeah. And then at, we at home, yeah. you lost. You lost two at home. Well, we had well, we had two chances to get it done at home. Couldn't get it done, so we had to get on the plane and go back to Syracuse. We unfortunately ended up getting it done there. So that's why at seventeen, it was so special being able to win it here, right? Um, because I mean, obviously the fans deserved it so much, and the guys who were there for for uh, for thirteen, being able to being able to tell the group like this is special to be able to do it in the city because yeah. the amount of support we have uh, it was it was incredible i'll never forget that brian lashoff uh, former grand rapids uh, griffin and detroit red wing now an assistant coach uh, with the griffins joining us in studio eric zane who's been the pa voice of the griffins for 18 years you know brian he is 
I, I know I joke a lot with Zane on and off here. Some might call it arguing. We call it joking. Uh, but he he is a true talent uh, in the oh, building on, on, on the PA. Is he is. It was a Indiana, every player speaks highly of you except for dog. The, old, <laughs> the only reason why it works is because they let you. They let me. What I do would not fly. No, you can't anywhere be like, else. I know you. You can't nowhere be else. micromanaged. Exactly. Exactly. You can't. If I tried to pull off what I pull off anywhere else, they would run me out of town on a rail. Yeah, but they treat it like the NHL. You know that Brian being a part of the Griffins and seeing the wings. They really. I, I say this all the time. The Grand Rapids Griffins are as close to an NHL franchise than any other AHL club. Yeah, I mean the way it's ran from, especially a game. You know the game night operations, how the the staff kind of puts everything together. I mean it's it's amazing. And then you have Zane, who's <laughs> one, like you're saying the only you're the only can only do it here. I mean it's truly one of a kind. There's no one else. I'm doing surprised it. more people haven't come out of the penalty box on both teams after him. That's my <laughs> <laughs> well, well. <laughs> yeah, I know a lot. Of, I know a lot of the odd area, the off air stories. Yeah, there's uh, exactly. it, there's been there's been moments. There's, uh... So what about the ups and downs? Uh, and again, ups and downs for a, a top tier farm affiliate like the Griffins with the wings and the wings. You've been on both sides of that where they've been reloading. Uh, I don't call it rebuilding. Uh, you've seen it in Detroit. You've seen it in Grand Rapids. Uh, how close are they to making the comeback to be in a playoff team each and every year? Both in Detroit and here in Grand Rapids. Well, there's, you know, obviously Detroit's certainly getting there. I mean, with the amount of talent that they're acquiring through the draft, which I think is is massive. I mean, these are young kids that, you know, you look at Simon Edmondson and Mo Sider, who who's just obviously started making a huge impact in the NHL. But you get Marco Casper and Carter Mazur. I mean, you got a lot of guys coming through. Um, high picks that are coming through that are going to make a huge impact in Detroit. And not all of them can step right into Detroit right away. So, and that will help us, you know, by default, we're going to get some of these kids that are going to start their pro career in Grand Rapids. And that's going to make us a, a team that it will be able to compete uh, every night and hopefully for championships like, like we've done in the past. So, um, you know, Detroit's on the right path. There's a lot of young, good young talent coming through there. They got a, they're surrounding them by older players that can help them show, show them the right way as far as how to do things on a consistent basis, which I mentioned before is probably one of the toughest things to do. Um, you know, they do that on a, on a year to year basis and get these young kids going, uh, playing to their potential. And, and uh, you know, the sky will be the limit. This seems like the off season where Stevie Y said, let's go, right? Uh, looking at uh, the youth getting experience at the NHL level uh, with what is sitting there in Grand Rapids, Toledo, and also uh, with the draft picks since he's been a GM in Detroit. But this off season, the acquisitions, the deals, I, I think his expectations are playoffs next spring. Well, it's certainly to be as competitive as, as as possible. And I think if you surround that young talent with, with good, solid veterans, I mean, you give yourself a chance. And then you go out and get a kid like Debrinkat, who's, you know, obviously an elite scorer in the NHL. He's like the Stamkos, what Stamkos meant to Stevie Y in Tampa. Well, he's a guy that can play that flank or whatever on the one-timer and, and, and score and make your power play a little bit more deadly, which special teams will win you, win you games and it can lose you games. And... Um, you had a guy like that who doesn't need very much to score. He's one of those guys where one mistake and he gets in that prime prime area, there's more often than not he's going to put it in the back of the net. So even just adding a guy like that is going to make them deeper and uh, more competitive. Well, he's a great player, and but 
I think this is the first trade that if it doesn't pan out, you know, he gave up a lot. He gave up a first and a fourth round pick and Kubalik and Donovan Sabrango. I mean, come on, that's that's a lot. You give away four players. Um, so I'm, if I'm him, I'm like, holy cow, because the 2024 draft, uh, I mean, we don't have a pick in the first round now. Now, maybe eventually he could get one, but uh, they, they gave up a lot to get that guy. So I, I think at this point he might be, if this doesn't pan out, he would feel the pressure for sure. I think you look at you look at the the roster right now, and then what you what you need. I think especially going into next year, and I think goal scoring was probably it was something that I think they wanted to address a little bit. And um, I mean that's a that's a kid that is young, has done it already, right, and has the potential to obviously continue to do it over the long haul. And he's I think he's surrounded with a guy like you know Larkin, who's not just a, a great play driver but a good good leader and, and a guy that's going to drag people along the fight with him I think he, he's going to only get better I think when it comes to trades it's as sure as it can be because but it's still it's it's always a risk you know you're always concerned about the other I mean and and me I don't want an NHL franchise but I don't think you can be concerned with that you got to pull the trigger and do what he did and I'm sure he feels good about it so. well yeah it's a pro I mean he gets a proven score I think it's a proven score to help the team get better. And then, you know, obviously you're giving up a lot in the draft picks. I mean, you never know what those guys can be down the road. You right. never know if they're going to be what they're going to be, to be honest. So mm-hmm. you got you to take yep. it. Yeah, that is for sure. You know, being a defenseman yourself, the 14 years inside the Wings organization, you know, playoff hockey's different. I know watching Edmonton or Colorado play seven, six games, uh, we've seen a lot of crazy playoff games this year with high numbers, like with Florida and Boston, but uh, you still need the toughness on the backside. And we talked about the great youth on that blue line. Do they have the veterans to mix with the younger players that if they get in as a seven or an eight and you can see what, you know, it doesn't matter the seed come playoff hockey time, uh, do the Wings have enough of that experience uh, to go win a playoff series? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, you have the one thing they have on the, on the, back end up there is is a lot of length you got defensemen who are long that play hard i mean benny sherat and olimata those guys they're longer guys that make the game tough not just physically they're they play hard but like they take up a lot of space not just with their with skating but their sticks i mean so they make it hard and then if you add in you never know if simon plays in the nhl i mean he's a He's one of the longer guys in most ciders, same way. Like, guys who are long and, and, and big and play hard, I mean, like, those guys are tough to play against. I mean, you look at Vegas this year, they had a similar type decor where they, they were built that way. Where all guys could skate. They were long. They were big. They were, they were strong and um, consistent. It's the biggest thing. Uh, when you, you were at prospect camp, where you had pro- prospect camp? Yeah, after, development camp. After the, yeah. Dra- after the draft, uh, you were in that same spot. Yeah. So is that yeah. – What's that like, man? I mean, Weird. you've got people that it doesn't seem like that long ago. You're a coach. You, you now, were yeah. now. Now you're evaluating the talent, and to me, I remember you. You couldn't even shave, uh, you know, and and uh, and now you're in that role, looking at the young players who are just starting their careers. Yeah, I mean, that was the strangest thing was sitting in the coach's room in Detroit while development camp was going on, and just kind of sitting around and. and 
I mean, just because obviously if you're going in there, sometimes it's not a good thing, but if you're going in the coach's room and just kind of hanging out before the development camp, I mean, it was fun. It was to be able to experience that, experience how much detail goes into putting that camp together. I mean, Danny Cleary does an amazing job with Nick Nick Cronwall and um, the rest of the guys there. I mean, it's once you get on the ice, you kind of feel it out and and go from there. But being able to, I've been in, like you said, I've been in those kids' spot where you're, You're a little nervous. You're a little, uh, you know, you're 17, eight, you're an 18 year old up. kid playing. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that is, uh, it was different, but it was fun, but I haven't been to a development camp since I was in one. Right. So being out on the other side was definitely strange. Did Stevie Y ask you about any of the players, what you thought? No, he didn't. There, he was pretty busy. I think it was over July first. Oh so yeah, he so he's, he's wheeling and dealing, right? Yeah, he was a busy man that week. So uh, good food in the coach's uh, box in the office there. Uh, it's the same food, so it's very good. Yeah, yeah. Same you got, well, they get treated nice. And now on the coaching side, how'd that come about? So you you made this your final year, had the great send off in downtown GR. Uh, when did they approach you? Did you approach them? How'd the coaching job come together? Well, we'd kind of talked over, I don't know how long it was. It was over the season. I mean, I they were Sean Horkoff and Steve and the whole organization was amazing with, uh, with me about kind of, I was talking about what I wanted to do next and, and, um, me kind of making sure I, I let them know where I was at and what I wanted to do as far as playing or not playing. And by the end I told them that, you know, I was, I didn't stop playing because I was done with the grind or the, 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 day to day of playing in the minors or playing pro sports. I mean, I love the grind and that's why I'm going to continue to be involved in it. But it was more just my body was in a spot where I couldn't give what I wanted to give. So, um, we had different conversations about what that would look like to be able to still be able to contribute. And I think coaching is something that I've done a a version of it. I think as a player, as being an older guy, I think you got to do a lot of that as a veteran guy in the the American league. I think you got to be able to help younger players while be still be able to play. So there's a lot of things that I'll be able to do similarly that I did as a player. I just won't have to worry about blocking any shots or oh, getting hit. Picking up teeth. Yeah. Picking you remember up when teeth. you had to pick up teeth? Oh, I've picked up a couple teeth. The blocking the shots. <laughs> and they put them back in too. <laughs> you know, no teeth in hockey and everybody's sliding their, you know, yeah. uh, the front two in. You see it all the time. I, I think blocking, I don't know if there's anything tougher in sports than blocking shots. And taking them off the thigh, the knee. Uh, you remember the one shot you blocked that still resonates with you as the most pain? Oh, yeah. Where was it? NHL or two. I can think of two. So the one was this year. Oh, really? Of all the years, I was uh, thinking, okay, maybe I'll get out. <laughs> it was. I took one in the ribs this year mm-hmm. with no padding. Shoulder pads moved. It was a one-timer on the power play, so the puck came from the top of the point over to the flank, which was a one-timer. I, my job on that situation is to come out and get in the way. So I come out and get in the way, but the kid kind of he hitched it, so we didn't hit it right away. So as he was doing that, that kind of took me, sp- spun me to mm. the back. So he hit me right in the ribs. So that that sent me it out didn't for break a, while. a rib. No, well, somehow it didn't break a rib. I did some did other you, did stuff. You come back in. I know, and I couldn't. You couldn't I couldn't. Do it. I, 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 I think, was that in it, Grand Rapids? Yeah, I think you had I to be down you, for a few games. I remember right? you skated off. I was down off. for a while. Yeah, because yeah. you, you, the play continued and you skated off, right? Yeah. And then uh, right to the locker room. Yeah. Mm. So that one was tough. And then the other one I took was actually in Detroit. Um, 
it was in a morning skate and Dylan Larkin, I still give him a hard time about this. He took a shot and it ran, but it ramped up off my own stick and it hit me right in the teeth and it knocked out like three of my teeth and bent some of them back. So they ended up putting them back in because they fell straight out and then they braced them and then it was... And it worked? And they're still in, yeah. Really? Yeah, you look good. Yeah. So they just jam them in, tighten I mean, everything I, I, up? I, I don't tell every guy that comes in the studio they look good. I've never said that to say. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're a, you're a like, handsome devil, and okay. you got your teeth. He's got a wife. He's got a baby. Oh, yeah. He's a coach yeah. now. Well, I mean. Well, you but, have to take it, and those are all. Uh, so when was the one from Larkin to the teeth? Oh, that was. The year we won, it was 2017. Mm, you know, the one in the ribs, you can almost feel the pain. Yeah, oh, talking about it. All right, we got to get to a timeout. We'll have one final segment. Uh, Brian Lashoff, new assistant coach for the Grand Rapids Griffins, after a 14 year career on the ice in Detroit and here in Grand Rapids on the west side of the state. Remember, griffinshockey.com. You can find out about Brian, the new staff. Uh, the schedule, I think, was just released yesterday. It was just released, so there you go. Yeah, and Zane will be working the PA at all the home games. Uh, Tentatively. Well, yeah, well, you've caused a drop of 11.2% in game day attendance, but it's not all on you. <laughs> okay, but don't don't carry that weight. That was from Kayser. Yes. He just texted me that. Uh, griffinshockey.com will have more with Lash after this network to you. Eric Zane for the Eric Zane Show podcast in studio, and also we have... Our first conversation with Brian Lashoff, an unbelievable uh, career, one of the great ones in AHL history out of Albany, New York, just 32 years of age, decided to hang up, I guess, uh, the jersey for a moment and then become a coach now on the bench with the Griffins. You have to say something, Zane? Yeah, as you heal, Brian. Is there a possibility that maybe, like, if they were short of defensemen at the last minute, you could be an emergency defenseman uh, for the Grand Rapids Griffins? Could that could that happen? Uh, right now, I'm just going to say no. <laughs> yeah, because I was trying well, to think, uh, hang up the skates, but you don't because you skate as a coach yeah. with the players yeah. every morning. Yeah. Come to come back like a Disney movie? That'd like be Miracle awesome. 2? Yes. Miracle 2? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Stevie Y says we need a defenseman. They call him... Uh, back up, they win the Stanley Cup. You were probably a kid when that movie Miracle came out, uh, that uh, movie about the Olympic yeah, hockey team. I think he's born in 1990. <laughs> well, yeah, you were probably no, The movie came out with the movie. I thought you were talking about Miracle on no, Ice. No, 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 the, okay. uh, the, uh, the, the film with, uh, with uh, Herb the, Brooks. the guy that you played in the Kurt movie. Russell Kurt was Russell. In, was, he was in the movie with me. Yeah. Touchback. You, you've seen that movie, yeah, right? Yeah. That's a free. I love that movie. Holy cow! That that uh, him playing that part. Yeah, the is dark, the dark ice rinks. I don't get. I, I saw a miracle the other day, yeah. or the anniversary was, or, or about or celebrating the team or something. I saw, uh, and I said the rinks are too dark in the movie. The rinks aren't that dark. Yeah, no. What's your favorite hockey movie? Uh, all time, all time. Maybe Mystery Alaska. Wow. It's a good movie. That's a good movie. Yeah. Slapshot's too old for him. And, and I like Slapshot. I've seen it a bunch. So we funny. always used to play it on the bus, too, when we were going to places. We think we play overplayed it, so now we don't play it anymore. Because he started knowing lines and everything, yeah, right? Because yeah. yeah. you can introduce that to young players who've never seen that movie. You know, like you, you get on the bus, you get a young guy, they show up, and you show Slapshot out of the bus. There's going to be somebody on there who's never seen that film. Oh, yeah. Well, they're going to have to because right. a lot of the kids nowadays, I mean, we had somebody last year who didn't know who Led Zeppelin was. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but you're born in 90s. So, change. 
Yeah. That, You're like a hip, tough rocker, right? <laughs> right, right. Have you ever had a young player come up who didn't know like who Wayne Gretzky was? No. No. <laughs> Can you imagine if he's like, I don't know who Wayne Gretzky is. You're like, what? What are you? I mean, I'm looking at it. He's born in 90. Brian? Yeah. Yeah. Is that, is that, is that mesh, mess with your head? Cause no, you're so, 29. Because you were born I'm in like 29, I'm 29 years older than him. How old are you? You're 72 now. You look 70. Though. I appreciate that. No, I'm... Uh, I was born in 1970. You were born in 59? 61. 61. See, you're okay. trying to irritate me. Yeah, of course. If you so didn't play is- hockey, what do you think you'd be doing? If you go back to being a kid in Albany, New York, and you didn't play hockey, what do you think you would have been doing uh, now at 32 years of age? That's a good question. I think my dad always would li- would have liked to have seen me play baseball and pitch. Did you play Little League growing up? I played up? Little League growing up, and I pitched a lot. So when did you go exclusively hockey, then what age? Um, I want to say it was around 11 or 12. I went straight into hockey because I was, I think I was better at it. I liked it more. I was a little better at it. But, uh, yeah, I think my dad would always like to see, see me play baseball. Were your mom and dad, uh, like crazy? Did they yell? No, <laughs> not even close. Yeah. They were amazing. I like, they, okay. they supported, they gave us everything we need. Me and my brother, cause my brother obviously played for a long time right. too. And they gave us everything we needed. And we're never, and my dad just didn't really know, like he played pond hockey growing up, like, but never organized hockey. Okay. So, and my mom, like, we didn't have any hockey in the family. My dad built a rink in the backyard for us uh, out of the back of our house. So so he like flooded it, dug it out, flooded it. And my brother and I just fell in love with it and kept going. It's a real advantage because everybody else has to go to a rink to work on their skating. Yeah. So that, that probably helped a lot too. Yeah, it absolutely did. They were never overbearing. Because that happens. Like my never wife, pressured you? You never no, felt never. like you need to stay with it? If you wanted a summer off, they'd give you the summer off. Yeah. I mean, I was always, I mean, now the kids are doing a lot of like summer tournaments. I would do those as I got older because you're yeah. playing good teams and, and all that. But like it was never, it was never a, a situation where I felt like I needed to play or any of that. And they're, they're there then in that final game. And at, they're there, yeah. In Grand Rapids, and that's they're pretty on the cool. Ice, and they're on the ice from the, before we did that little ceremony, and they were on the ice. And so I was ha- that was the most happy I, I was the whole night, I think. Having, Emotion? Yeah, right. just having them there, too. Thinking about your entire career. Yeah, and watching And your parents the were there. The, never pressured you, supported you, let you do your thing, your brother, and then they're there with at your final game. Yeah. I mean, I get goosebumps thinking yeah. about that it, right now. It was it was amazing. And you were there on the PA. Yeah, yeah right. that was that was and an now, honor, absolute and, honor. And now he's lowered himself all the way into the studio. <laughs> 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 all right, Eric, we got to get going, all man. Right. Hey, uh, Brian, great conversation. Look forward to having another one soon. Yeah, okay? thank you very much. Good luck with the Griffins as assistant coach. Thank you. Come back. For having Please me. come back. All right, yeah. Brian Lashoff. Uh, they love him in West Michigan. Uh, hockey fans uh, love him from Albany to Detroit. Uh, to his new home uh, here in Grand Rapids. GriffinsHockey.com. You want to find out about the new coaching staff. New schedule is out. GriffinsHockey.com. I want to thank Randy Cleaves, who's going to be a disappointed Cincinnati Bengals fan this year, uh, for helping us out. Bengals run is over. Burrow's close to being known as oh, Broken Down Burrow. He's not going to help you out if you keep talk, talking like that. Okay. Sure. I'm going to start following the principles of Zane. <laughs> There's Zen and then there's Zane. Oh, there's there's Zen if you want peace, if you want anarchy. There's Zen. Yep, yep, yep. All right, we love you, Eric. Thank you. By the way, great week. Thanks for having me. All right. Uh-
Good luck, Brian, Thank you, uh, as a coach and to the family, man. 